in my house. You don't want to hear this noise. That's why I put the mute on. <laughs> no problem, man. Hey, uh, hey, everybody. Thanks for uh, listening. Um, welcome back to another episode of the JW Weatherman Show. Um, today, what we're doing is another um, uh, alumni Q&A for Cypherpunk University. So it's going to be uh, all things Bitcoin um, and cryptocurrencies and economics. Um, so, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. And uh, hopefully this will be a this will be a fun chat. I think this is the fourth one that we've done. We're trying to do it about every couple of weeks, just kind of a casual hangout and uh, answer any questions that people have that have gone through the course material and uh, either hit something in the course that they had questions about or um, saw something in the news or you know something uh, related uh, that they wanted to talk about. Um, I think we've had about. 50, somewhere between 50 and 60 people go through the course now, and uh, it's great. We have kind of this constant inflow of, of new people, and then we have, you know, a bunch of guys that took the course six months ago that are um, that are hitting new stuff or reading new stuff and have new, new thoughts or new questions. So uh, so that's what we're doing today. So thanks for joining us. Um, yeah, how's it going, guys? John, uh, the Johns, uh, thanks, for, thanks for showing up. What's going on? Yeah. So, uh, who wants to go first? Let's. Uh, what do you guys want to talk about? Let's see. Somebody, I'll just. I'll just jump in. So, I, yeah, so yeah. Where are all you guys on the uh, Monero talk uh, live debate? Uh, JW just on. I was watching. You're watching. Okay. The thing that the thing that really got me was that the the comparison to the current. Uh, the current multi-currency system we have globally and that the guy the guy couldn't understand that if we design new money we should make it less shitty than what we currently have that seemed to just go over his head he was just kind of like oh well we have the one and the yen and the dollar and we all exchange it and it's like well don't you think that system is just inherently shit and if we build something new it should be better and it should be one thing yeah, you believe it or you don't, but just going, well, we'll just replicate a kind of shitty system with slight improvements is like the same thing I hear from like the rebel people like, oh, well, it's going to be really fast. It's like, well, that doesn't really matter. That's not a revolution. Like, you know, you're just buying into a fast API, like good job. Right. And so that seemed really lost on him, which was frustrating to me because you I mean, JW, you know, I'm sympathetic to Monero. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's so just hearing that I was like, come on, man. Like, well, no, I mean, somewhere. To, to his defense a little bit, I think there there are I, I think it's not necessarily intuitive that the reason that we have multiple monies as a government force. Um, I think if you've grown up, you know, in a border town or something, um, or you know, the other thing that that catches people up is they don't they think that money is just something that you trade with, right? Like if you if you can use it to trade, then it's money, right? So like my car is money if I trade my money my car for groceries. Um, they don't they don't have enough of the economics understanding to know that no, it's not money. That's called barter. Uh, people did that a long time before they invented money. And money is the third object that we we as a society pick to facilitate trade of cars and groceries. Um, and that the only reason that we have that, th that the only reason that money starts and stops at these arbitrary national lines, uh, these borders, is not that people choose to do that. It's that uh, violence, you know, government violence is enforced that causes people to have to do that. But you know, a lot of people they just don't have any background in economics, and so they show up and they don't they don't have all those pieces. Um, 
and it's you know it's it's not easy to pick up but that's that's why i appreciate you guys for sitting through three plus hours of lectures and being willing to do q a's on this stuff well, that's the other interesting thing about how kind of combative he was almost in that you know the those currencies exist because of state force and now that he's he's bought in to an ideological battle between two different currencies he's almost he has that same aggressiveness that you would expect out of a state actor when confronting another competing currency right we push this 10 years down the line like you know he may he may be bringing guns against you to you know to to convince you to get you to use his currency and i i thought that was that was an interesting in, insight to his aggressive nature yeah yeah i i think I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not aware of it. Like, you know, it's kind of a subconscious thing to do. Yeah, it's it's also hard to tell. I mean, so I'll I'll say like something really generous, and then I'll say something not really generous. So on one hand, it's very possible that this guy is uh, a completely legitimate dude, and he's just excited and like fully invested. And people do have like a. Uh, an emotional loss response to stuff. Like if you're really into a baseball team and then I tell you that baseball team sucks and I prove it to you, it still sucks, right? Like you still go through like an emotional uh, negative experience and you might get really pissed off um, even if it's something that trivial. So on one hand, I'm not necessarily that surprised or I don't, I don't think that necessarily means he's a bad guy just because he gets uh, frustrated and emotional as I try to take apart his sort of favorite project. Um, on the other hand, there's also a very real possibility that there's money involved, right? Like, uh, I think, especially in cryptocurrencies, we have a tendency to think that, um, that uh, cryptocurrencies and libertarian communities, like we have a tendency to think that the people that we're talking to are not financially incentivized to hold on to a lie. And uh, it, it wouldn't, like, I have no reason to believe this about this particular dude, but in general, when I'm talking to somebody that, uh, especially if they have like a podcast um, and they're they're pushing a scam, I have a tendency to think that they're being funded by the scam, right? It's It would be the normal thing to do. Like uh, Stephen Patterson, I think, Patterson in Pursuit is this podcast. And I was like, you know what? This is really a weird episode because I used to listen to it on occasion. He's a libertarian dude, uh, supposedly. And then he he just had this love affair with Bitcoin Cash, and I was like, "That's weird." I'm gonna assume that he's getting sponsored or paid or something. Um, and I didn't find out until like two weeks ago that his brother uh, accepted a ton of money because his brother is the CEO, I think, of Open Bazaar. Uh, I had no idea, but his brother accepted a ton of money from uh, Bitmain, right? And it's like, oh, there's the connection. But I knew for months that there was probably a connection. Like, you know, what what are the chances that somebody is that in love with something that's fraudulent? It's possible. And obviously you have to have a lot of people that are genuine. Uh, you have to have a lot of, of victims, right? But but if somebody has a podcast, I tend to assume they're they're more in the predator than in the prey category. Yeah, this is a lot of effort. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, no, I don't think anybody else is getting timed out with an error message. Maybe just uh, reboot um, your, uh, or like kill Chrome or Firefox or whatever browser you're using and reopen it. Um, yeah, so now, I mean, that's, it's it's tough. I mean, I definitely don't want to. I don't want to say anything mean about somebody that's just been suckered and they're going through uh, like the the stages of grief after they talk to me, and I kind of make a case that it's it's garbage. But um, but it's 
it's also smart just to be aware that there's, you know, that's, that's always another possibility. So, but yeah, thanks for listening to that, man. Um, all right, John, uh, how's it going, dude? Second, John. Hey buddy, I'm, I'm real good. I'm real good. How are you doing? Good, good. Yeah. Thanks for joining me. Any Bitcoin that isn't doing very well, but uh, you know, we'll survive. <laughs> yeah. I, I've decided that I am, uh, I'm guaranteed to be unhappy about the Bitcoin price, no matter what it is. I was, I was annoyed when it was, I was annoyed when it dropped, of course, of course, but, you know, not very annoyed, right? Like I'm, a, I'm obviously planning on, you know, this is a five-year thing and I don't think the current price says much about what the price will be in five years, like five-year minimum. Uh, uh, but it's still kind of annoying to see it go down. Um, oh, I mean, it depends. Like if you're just, if you're just buying this to hold it and this is just something that you invest in, it's easy to, uh, you know, uh, shrug it off and, and just, uh, go about your life, go to work but yeah, if you're right. business and your business is based on Bitcoin. This is a, a dark time. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know if that's true. What I was going to say is like when it, then I was annoyed that it was stable for so long because it just kind of got boring. And then I was annoyed that it dropped to yeah. 4,000. And then I got I comfortable with that. And I was like, all right, great. I want it to drop to 1,000 because that's when I'll finally, you know. Fuck that. <laughs> 1,000, man, that's chaos. That's not going to help anyone out. That doesn't help out Bitcoin. But when it was pegging at like 6,000 and just rock solid right there, it's viable. That's viable to invest in if you're building a business. So, I mean, businesses aren't all that affected by the changing Bitcoin price. Like if you're, I mean, it depends on the business, but if you're accepting Bitcoin for hats or something, you don't really care what the Bitcoin price is. Well, no, you you, you stop. If, 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 if you're doing retail, you have to stop. It's too volatile and you can't trust BitPay. And I, I, I myself have dealt with BitPay and too many transactions don't work. And the reason why they don't work is because they're not they're not funded and they're not funded well enough and they're not they're not functioning at a high level. Very few companies in, in Bitcoin are. Coinbase is functioning at a decent level. But the vast majority of these companies are putting out very poor products and it's because there isn't enough uh, it's not lucrative. It's all it's all angel money. Yeah. We're, we're really not at the point yet with Bitcoin where it makes a ton of sense to, to sell hats for Bitcoin. There's just not that many people that have Bitcoin yet. And the people that have it don't really want to trade it for hats because we're still in the adoption phase where the price will continue to go up for a while. Um, so yeah, it's, a, it's a high risk investment for the majority of Americans that are holding Bitcoin. And other, other countries are different, clearly. I mean, I was in Russia a, a month ago and they were, they're using Bitcoin more than we are. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um, what? Uh, so let's let's play this out a little bit. Let's say that Bitcoin hit three hundred bucks in the next six months. Uh, why would that? Why would that really hurt businesses? Because uh, a lot of businesses are using Bitcoin to pay their bills. So they're they're you're saying that they're holding it, and so while they're holding it, it would drop and it would hurt their their cash. Well, let's look at uh, a typical business, uh, and let's let's use some some a business that's super in your face. We could use Tone Vase. He's a business, right? Say what you want about technical analysis. Say what you want about chart reading and candles and wicks and shadows and all that shit. That dude is flying 
all over the country, speaking to people, giving classes, giving seminars, being paid in Bitcoin, running poker tournaments, running, uh, running, uh, in confiscatable, doing, doing shows, paying, paying, uh, hotels in Vegas. It's all on Bitcoin. Yeah. But if, so, okay. So let's think about this. He's, he's out of business. He so can still do $300. I would actually imagine that he's probably going to be, um, even doing better because all that volatility, like for somebody like Tone, the more volatility there is, the more people have interested in trading it. Right, but, but there, there'd be a piece that's in vertical integration, that's one part of his business. That's that's his trading floor, his desk. The rest of his business where he's booking travel and he's hosting hosting seminars and he's running poker games and he's running uh, trade shows and all that stuff stops. I don't think so, man. I think that tone would just change. Like right now he's charging 0.2 Bitcoin. He'd start charging, you know, two Bitcoin. But it won't yeah. work because people aren't going to pay it. I got, I'm, I'm not the host, but I'm, I'm one of the original, uh, in the Bob group, the Bitcoin open blockchain, Chicago meetup. Yeah. When Bitcoin's doing well, we get 200 people at a meetup at Sully's house, a social or at 1871 to do a seminar to, you know, listen to speakers that we bring in. Right. When yes, Bitcoin, what you're saying right is now, yeah. we're going to get, we're going to get 16 people like regulars, just us right. friends. That's not right. good for anybody or anything. Right. So I, I think, I think what you're saying is that when, uh, when there's not a lot of new entrants into the, sort of the Bitcoin space that are interested in it and buying it, those businesses that are kind of on ramps in a way tone is kind of, uh, I don't want to say he's an on ramp to Bitcoin, but, um, but, you know, certainly meetups and uh, you know, the more, more new people that are showing up businesses that are, that are there primarily to deal with new people um, are going to do better. The exchanges are going to do better, all that sort of stuff. That makes sense, but that's, I mean, that, the price is more, yeah. I would say that's obvious, but even the established businesses, if I'm, I'm running, you know, 300 rigs, ASICs, and I was running a lot of GPUs, I shut them down. I'm not investing in that. There's no yeah, mining is a, a totally different animal, but as far as like normal businesses. Well, no, I took it from where you were. You're telling me at the retail side, the upfront, the new, the new people, and then I could talk to about my own experience as, you know, I've, I've been in this space for a very long time and it doesn't matter who you talk to. The only people who sort of somehow may consider this a good thing are, I, I don't know. I don't know who it'd be people who. Well, I'll tell you why I would see it's a good thing. If it, it, let me tell you why I think it would be a good thing if it went to 300. Um, it's not going to hurt people that know what's going on, right? Like smart people that know that Bitcoin is the best technology available and they're making a bet that it's going to be adopted because humans tend to adopt the best, best technology available. They're not going to sell, right? Because they were, they were making a smart money was making a five year bet minimum, right? So they're not going to be hurt. A lot of dumb money that is like they don't know the difference between Ripple and Bitcoin they're going to be impoverished to some degree. That's a good thing because we don't want these people having a bigger impact on the economy. Um, and businesses that uh, that are you know that are just taking Bitcoin and then selling it, you know, they're selling hats or whatever. They're not going to be hurt. So 
it's more, I, I think the best argument that we need the price to be high is more of an argument of we need the technology to be being adopted and making progress and that that gets reflected in the price, right? So the price is a sign. That, that's a critical part of it. And the other critical part of it is we, we can't ha have existing businesses surrender. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know, man. I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Coinbase go under. I wouldn't mind seeing BitPay go under. They're not the ones that'll go under. They're, they're, they're liquid. They're liquid forever. The ones that'll go under is, you know, a friend of mine in Wisconsin who's running a couple thousand GPUs. He's going under. Well, so mining is different. Let's talk about mining for a minute. I don't recommend that anybody get into mining unless you have really cheap electricity that gives you a competitive advantage. Um, because if you're just a normal dude, if you buy the equipment and you fire it up, this is the most competitive business uh, that has ever existed in the history of man, right? Like it is, there's zero barrier to entry. And, uh, and the algorithm ensures that you're not going to be profitable, right? Um, because if you start making money, um, it's going to attract additional miners and the algorithm is going to go, uh, the difficulty adjustment is going to go up. So you're going to get less Bitcoin less often. If the industry takes a beating and a lot of people turn off their miners, then the algorithm goes down, right? The difficulty adjustment goes down, but only to the point where people can survive, right? It's not going to go to the point where it's highly profitable. So the only way that you can profit as a miner is, um, is by having really cheap electricity. And and you could you could profit as a miner if you invest the the coins that you earn smartly, and they appreciate. That that's true, but what Otherwise, I you could be like me. What I do is I hedge, and I'm at a break even all the time. But I can't get ahead, even though I'm 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 hedging my positions and doing great on the trading desk. What are you but, What are you paying uh, What are you paying per kilowatt hour? Uh, my uh. Per kilowatt is four and a half cents, but after taxes and everything, it's uh, six and a quarter. So if there's anybody out there that's mining at four cents per kilowatt hour or three cents per kilowatt hour, um, if you're if you're breaking even, they they should be buying more hardware and pushing up the difficulty adjustment until you can't survive, right? Well, I mean. Maybe because it, it costs an awful lot of money to build your infrastructure. So, you, I mean, if you want to run five megawatts, ten megawatts, I've I've, I've got you know I got one and a half megawatt. If you want to if you want to put in you know a five megawatt transformer, you're talking about a half a million dollar investment. Right, but if you're if you're profitable, if you're making money at seven cents a kilowatt hour. And somebody yeah. else has access to four cents a kilowatt hour. There is there is the capital investment, right? And so tremendous risk, though, to, to make that capital investment. Okay, so there there is risk involved in that capital investment. But um, the, one of the things that I think is really helpful for people to do, and this applies in economics a lot, is to try to separate out the different roles that that people play. Right. So you could be like in economics in general. You could be a laborer, you could be an entrepreneur, um, uh, you know, you, I'll, I'll forget I said entrepreneur. You could be a laborer, 
you can be a speculator, right? And as a person, you can do both of those things. But labor is still, as a concept, fundamentally different, right? It's a separate role than speculation. Um, so if you, you know, if you're, uh, uh, I guess I, I won't add an analogy because that'll make it more confusing. So with miners, a lot of times, like individuals like you, they're playing two different roles. They're they're operating mining hardware, um, and that's they're they're like they're buying, they're setting up, they're establishing, they're running mining hardware, and that's the role of a miner, right? It's to get paid to secure the network, and then separately, they're also speculators, and if you can keep those two concepts separate in your head, it will help because you can be a speculator by keeping the coins that you have that you've mined, or you can be a speculator by just buying them on the market, right? You can, you can go out to uh, GDAX or whatever and buy them. And, or you can be a miner and immediately sell them and not be a speculator, right? You don't have to really be a speculator uh, for Bitcoin. I think being a miner now, if you're a professional miner and you're doing it at, at a scale that, you know, requires you to, you know, pay, pay big money, you know, and by scale, I mean, if you, if you've got more than, you know, two circuits committed to mining, you better, you should turn them off or, or you better figure this out, but you have to treat it like a commodity and you have to hedge. So if you were farming soy or if you were mining gold, you can't just hope that gold goes up. So you have to, you right. To, yeah. I mean, if you're, you're also a speculator, if you're operating a business where you're selling a commodity. Right. But you don't have to be right. So you could be a soy uh, farmer is a perfect example, right? You could speculate that the price of soy is going to go up and you don't have to be a farmer. You can just go out to a trading desk and buy soy futures or you can speculate that it's going to drop and you know short it or whatever. You don't have to be a farmer. Or you can be a farmer and do absolutely no speculating on the price of soy. And a lot of the farmers try to, to eliminate price volatility or the risk of the price changing as much as possible by shorting or you know using financial instruments that, that cover them in case the price changes. Because their business, their role that they really want to focus on is just being the most efficient farmer possible, right? And the same thing applies to Bitcoin mining. If you want to be a miner, the job of a miner, the role of a miner is to operate that hardware as efficiently and cheaply as possible, which means cheap labor and cheap electricity and a good source on the equipment. It has nothing to do with speculating on the price. And you really want to, if that's where you want to make your money, you want to specialize as an operator of mining hardware. You want to do the same thing that a soy farmer would do, and that is use financial instruments to make the changes in the price of Bitcoin affect you as little as possible. It's pretty hard to get, you know, as volatile as it is, it's not, you're not going to be able to do that as to zero, but, um, but you can, you can eliminate that as much as possible. You can speculate as little as possible and still be a, a miner. Um, and I, I, I mean, honestly, I would say that anybody that is, that doesn't think that they have competitive advantage when it comes to paper, electricity, and sourcing hardware. That's like being uh, that's like being in the auto mechanic business and saying like, I don't have the I, I, I'm I'm running this business. I'm competing with other auto mechanics. I can't get good mechanics. I can't you know like 
all of the things that matter to this business. Like I'm not going to be able to advertise it better. I'm not going to be able to get better mechanics and I'm not good at running the business, but I'm an auto mechanic. Like don't do that. That's not a good, that's not a good business plan. Um, so if you're paying more for electricity than everybody else and your time, you know, your time is valuable um, and you don't have access to really cheap labor like they have in China, it's it's not a great business to be in. Instead of doing that, just buy Bitcoin. You'll support the network, right? Uh, because when you take Bitcoin off of the market, you increase the price um, and that rewards the existing miners, right? So you're sort of outsourcing the job of securing the network to people that are in a better position to do it. Um, and you're not uh, um, you're you're not going to you're not going to lose money by doing something that you're not going to you're not in a good position to compete at. If that makes sense, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, how's it going, man? It's uh, it looks like uh, it looks like your final your connection is good. Uh, you got a question? Uh, we're in a uh, we're just in a uh, a unique. A, a unique space at, a, at an early moment and we're all finding out where we want to be inside of it. Yep. Yep. Totally. Totally. Yeah. No, I mean, I look, I'm, I'm fully supportive of anybody experimenting and playing around with, uh, with mining. Um, I just, I don't want to see people, uh, get hurt financially. Um, but, uh, any, anybody that has done mining and held onto their coins, I'm sure has done, you know, relatively fine unless they got in the last year. Um, but they probably also could have done better by just buying, uh, in most cases. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, you know what? 2017 was like, like uh, free money. So <laughs> 2018, 2018 is very expensive money. Yep. Yep. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks. It was a good question, man. Good question. So, uh, heavily armed clown. What's up, man? Hey, how's it going, man? How you doing? Good. Yeah. Thanks for jumping on. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, I wanted to interject something real quick on that last point. Um, yeah, I don't know if you guys saw, but there was a report that came out from coin shares. It's floating all over Twitter today about how approximately 78% of Bitcoin mining is actually on renewable energy. So you got to think about the fact that if you're mining Bitcoin, particularly, you're competing with people around the world who are mining on renewable energy. And in some cases around the world, that's actually uh, electricity companies will actually pay people to use electricity because they generate too much of it and they have to get rid of it because they can't store it. So that's not really a good thing to compete on, you know, like if you're paying 20 cents a kilowatt or whatever. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. You're paying 20 cents a kilowatt and somebody's in China, you know, paying zero cents a kilowatt because there's, there's this huge dam that they constructed and they just want to run the generators, but they have nothing to do with the electrons that they're producing. Um, but you know, on the other hand, if, if it's, if it's small and it's experimental and it's educational, you know, that's, that's not a bad idea. I, I do think that even if it's renewable, you still have a cost for the electricity, right? You're just trading monthly costs for capital costs. Um, and I, I doubt, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm skeptical of that, but to be honest, I haven't read the thing. I I'm skeptical that it's that high a percentage, um, is renewables because renewables in general tend to be more expensive, but, um, and I just don't know how they could get any kind of confident number. Right. Um, but, I didn't read the article, so I, I don't know. Did did you uh, did you go through it? How did they how did they make the case that they know 
who's mining and what their energy source is. Yeah, I've skimmed it, but I haven't deep dived on what their sample size was or how they gathered their information. But that was my first immediate thought too, was like, how, who, what was this like online polling or how do you even gather this type of information? I'm not really sure because mining is so spread out. Yeah. I don't, don't know where my power comes from. <laughs> it's coal. Like I, my, my, my provider is ComEd and my future provider, cause I'm building a larger facility is Ameren. So yeah. I don't, but I don't know where they make it. I know where Ameren makes it because I'm actually putting a facility at the bottom of a coal power plant. So uh, that, that I clearly know what, what it's going to be used for or where I'm getting it. But are it, they uh, are they giving you a good deal on that? What's on that on that facility that you're putting by the coal? Or are you getting a better deal on the kilowatt hour? Uh, are they uh, are they giving you a good deal on that? What's that? Hey Ryan, thanks for joining, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna mute you just because I'm getting some feedback. Yeah, it's going to be good. I mean, I, I'll be, uh, I'm, I'm probably, it, it's still variable. So I'm still not, I'm still not at a fixed rate. That's going to like remain static. It'll change, you know, from month to month, but, uh, it'll, it'll be below five cents. Right. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's better. Um, it's a highly competitive price. And I know guys who run massive farms. Like I, I, I know I know the guys at CoinGeek. I know the guys at Hydro Sixty Six, and I know them very well. And none of them are paying. They're all around four cents, even if they even if they tell you it's two point six when they cost average it out across a year, it's around four cents. Nice. So I don't know anyone, and I don't know that those guys in Kazakhstan and the Russians, because they're all so full of shit. You don't know what they're actually doing. Right. But China's not that cheap. So that's why Bitmain is building plants over here. They're they're building in in Houston. They're building in Washington State. Third, our power is our is cheap. So we we keep saying the China miners, the China miners are coming here. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think it's. I mean, it's a very competitive space. But if you if you think you've got good. Um, I don't know. If you think Center in Montreal, I know those guys, those guys are paying four cents. Uh, I, my data center architect built, uh, did Microsoft's largest data center in North Lake. It's a 120 megawatt facility and they're paying 3.4 cents. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that doesn't sound terrible. Um, I guess the, the other thing is like your labor have, have you uh, have you done an analysis and figured out what the Bitcoin price needs to be for you to make um, for you to like make a decent hourly wage for all the time that you have to put in? No, because my I don't have hourly wage. I work twenty four hours a day. I, it's, there's no work in there, but I do I do have an employee. So I no, no, I'm, I'm saying all right. So this is one of the things that I I encourage people to do a lot is. Um, because you'll you'll look at your your numbers at the end of the year, right? And you might be up a hundred thousand dollars, and you might think, oh, we had a we we did a hundred thousand uh, dollars. You know, that's a that's a that's a hundred thousand dollars in profit. But if you don't account for the time, the labor that you put into it, right? So let's say that you make a hundred thousand dollars on Bitcoin. You know, I don't know on your 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 business, right? Whatever it is, um, and you're feeling good about that. If you worked 60 hours a week for the last year, 
um, and you haven't factored that in, and then you do that and you go, all right, well, what's my time worth, right? Like, what could I get if I just did a regular job? And the answer is, well, you know, I could definitely get 30 bucks an hour or whatever. Um, and then you, mold, you, you say, okay, 30 bucks an hour times 60 hours a week times 52. If that number is greater than $100,000, then you haven't had a good year. You've actually lost money and you've actually destroyed resources, right? Your, your own time has been spent not necessarily, because you know what you know what you're saying right there. You're going against our guy, man. That that's a high time value right there. That right there is that's uh that's the that that is not how you build the Sistine Chapel. You got to have a low time value when it comes to you know things that that are that are worth doing, and that's okay. what what makes money valuable. So, so I'm not saying that you wouldn't. Like, I'm I'm probably, I mean I I I know what I make so. In my current business, in this specific business, I don't make any money. I make very little. However, I've built a whole lot of great stuff. So what I'm doing is I'm investing, I'm sacrificing, and uh, hopefully it turns out well. But if I were to just take your approach and go get a job, go get another job, I don't. I don't end up building anything. What? What do you? I mean. One of the things that you do in accounting is you account for assets, right? So let's say that you looked at the end of the year and you had $100,000, but you put in $120,000 of your time into it. That might look negative, but if in that year you've uh, you've bought like land and facilities and um, you know electrical equipment, um, you do have to count depreciation in that, right? But if at the end of the year you actually have equipment that you could sell right now or land or resources, right? Assets is the category in, in your accounting uh, software of maybe a hundred thousand dollars. Then you've actually had uh, $200,000 as far as like profitability that year you do the math. And if your labor is worth less than $200,000, then you actually have had a profitable year. The challenge with mining is that that hardware gets depreciated freaking fast, right? So you can't look at the end of the year and say, well, I spent $100,000 on mining equipment, so I have $100,000 in assets. It's more like I spent $100,000 on mining equipment, so I have $12,000 in assets because as yeah. the hardware comes out, it's it gets close to its end of useful life super rapidly. Um, have you Have you, does that make sense? Oh, it is. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's a, it's a, you know what, this is like, everything happens in like dog, dog years squared. It's, it's super fast. Things change week to week. But if you're, if I were to just take us your strict approach about how much my time is worth, I, that's not entrepreneurial. It's, it's a, that's a high time preference where I'm, where I'm placing what I need to make this second in, in, in at such a, it's such a premium that I, I wouldn't be able to build anything, and I don't think anybody could. And well, let me let me ask you let me ask you this: it, it, this last three years, let's say, um, have you has has the business been profitable? Twenty seventeen, it was crazy profitable. I mean, I made I made a fortune in your time, right? Like if you uh, if you put a dollar amount on your time and you subtracted that out, has the last three years been profitable, even with that? No, because this year has been brutal. So what I would say then is that you would have been better off if it hasn't been profitable just with a regular job 
and then investing some in Bitcoin maybe. Uh, but obviously, I mean, it's easy to say in, in hindsight, and I'm not trying to slam you because it's really hard to do entrepreneurial work, right? Most of the time you do fail, but I'm trying to help you understand from like an economic standpoint, you do want to be able to say what was a failure and what was a success, even though it, it you know, it, it, it stings. So yeah, you would have been better what, off if it was unprofitable. What, what you're promoting though is the best way to approach life for the probably the vast majority of people because the vast majority of people are never going to make um, a company that's 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 wildly successful i'm not saying that you might not have a profitable business in the future but if it hasn't been profitable up till now you would have been better off not doing it up till now oh shit i i'd have been better off if i did a whole bunch of different things so I mean, there's no doubt about that, but that's, that's unique to me. But I think if, if anybody wants to get involved in something and they want to sacrifice, and if they, if they have the ability to tolerate sacrifice over a great period of time, like a Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 hours period of time, that's how you get the greatest reward. So it, let's, let's fast forward like, and the reason that I'm I'm staying on this is that there's a lot of people that are interested in mining cryptocurrencies. So it's and we, we're concerned about this as a as a, you know because we need this service to do well um, as anybody that's invested even a little bit in Bitcoin. So in seven years, though, um, let's say we fast forward seven years from now, what do you think will be the outcome of uh, doing this Bitcoin mining? Separating out the the speculation part. Right? Um, assume, that, assume that the Bitcoin price has been totally flat. That's a way that you can mentally separate out speculation um, from what you're doing. Because you can speculate just by buying and selling Bitcoin. You don't have to be a miner to do that. So if you assume the price is totally flat in seven years, where will you be? Well, I believe it's going to flatten the price will. And uh, the volatility will get worked out. And it's going to be worked out by derivatives and just adoption. And uh, I believe mining is going to be a, a very, um, a very tight margin commodity business. So, so why do you want to be in it, man? That's the definition of a business you should run from. Well, there's a, a whole lot of other reasons that outside of a uh, tight margin commodity business. It, it's uh, I'm, I'm balls deep inside of something I love. And there's a whole lot of uh, opportunity inside of this. So it isn't a standalone all I'm going to do is run miners in a in a large building. It's there's there's a, other opportunities, and you you don't get that intelligence by you know going on Coinbase and buying um, five hundred dollars of Bitcoin every week. I, I don't know, man. Uh, I think I think that I, I don't know what you're planning on doing with your with the business. Uh, if you think that if there's an opportunity there that I'm I'm not aware of, but I don't think that you're getting any inside information that you can use to profit by being a Bitcoin miner. Um, and if it, if it is in fact, like we, we all believe it's going to be a very tight margin business and the only people that are going to do well are going to be people that have access to abnormally cheap electricity. Uh, I think there's a ton of opportunities to, to make money in cryptocurrency, but I wouldn't say mining is really one of them. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend anybody, uh, 
let their daughter marry a, a Bitcoin miner. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right, man. Yes. Yeah, run, uh, run from that guy. <laughs> hey, uh, heavily armed clown. Did you have, uh, did you have another question? I know you just kind of commented on the last thing. So. No, no, I'm just taking all this in. Um, cool. Just listening. Cool. All right. Hey, Ryan, thanks for joining, man. Sorry. You, you uh, had to wait a little bit. Um, you got a, you got a comment or a question for us? You're, you're still muted if uh, the other No, as the, this is first I'm trying to get Google Hangouts working. So just kind of playing along and seeing if I could join in. Yeah, you sound good, man. Uh, sounds fun. Oh, that, that's good to know because I'm, I'm on a like six-year-old laptop that uh, the video kind of scratches out when I try to run it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, your, uh, your avatar is great. <laughs> I've been trying to I've been trying to update it uh, for the last couple of minutes, but Google won't let me save an image that's not my face. <laughs> oh wow, I, they're uh, they're blocking that now. I guess the wiki probably slid through because it's got eyes in the head. Yeah, you have to let me know how you uh, how you snuck that through. Actually, you know when I signed up, I picked custom on gender and put uh, transvestite. So that's probably just totally screwed up the algorithm, and they let it go. That, that that must be it. <laughs> um, yeah, man, if you, if you got a question or a comment, that's great. Otherwise, uh, you know, we'll, we'll uh, just swing back around. And, you know, we, we've been here for an hour, so um, if uh, you guys don't have any more questions or thoughts, that's cool, too. I just want to be able to do this on a regular basis uh, for people that do in the class and, and you know, keep, keep up to speed with everything. Hey, JW, you do have some filming questions. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Hey, do you mind reading those, man? Yeah, no problem. Awesome. All right, so this is from uh, Schneider11. Uh, what happens to silver and gold price in a Bitcoin standard world? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, so uh, they don't do well <laughs> because – so just like – altcoins or other things a lot of the reason that uh that the market price is high um or the reason that a lot of things are in demand is that people are uh speculating that they're going to be adopted as money right so silver is not as uh affected by this as gold but there are a lot of people that own silver because they believe it's going to be used as money again um i think they're particularly uh wrong because the only reason that we ever used silver was that gold had divisibility problems um and as soon as we use silver and gold if you if you know your sort of economics history um it caused all kinds of uh difficulties um and then we tried to peg silver to gold for a while to make that work better um, and that was a disaster so the history of gold and silver or the history of money is like the history of any technology right like we pick up something we use it it works better than what we had before but it sucks in other ways and then we pick up something else and then we totally discard it and we ended up with fiat currencies well first we ended up with gold because gold was uh had you know it worked a lot better than animal pelts but then we had to introduce silver because gold isn't divisible it's pretty much impossible to buy a soda with gold because it'd be such a tiny amount that it's hard to verify that small amount so it's not practical 
So then we had gold and silver working together, but that had all kinds of problems because of the, you know, the fluctuation in the the relative prices between the two things. It just makes it a pain in the butt to use as money because you, you don't really have one thing that you're measuring value by. You have two things and they're going up and down in relationship to each other. So then we started doing a lot more banking with banknotes, right? Where you, you we, we, we found a way to get rid of the, the problem of silver and gold fluctuating by taking gold and putting it in a bank. And then we got rid of the divisibility problem by having banknotes. So you can have a dollar's worth of gold um, and you could hand somebody that piece of paper and it was easier to verify that you actually had that than a tiny sliver of gold. Um, but then of course that brought about central banking, which caused governments to take advantage and just disconnect gold from the notes altogether. And now we have this you know, paper garbage money. Um, but if you know that history and you're looking at something like Bitcoin, Bitcoin is an attempt to solve those problems, right? Where we have something that's digital, so it's divisible, but it's really hard to steal and it's really cheap to store. So there's no reason to put it in banks. Um, if that thesis is correct, it would be sort of like investing in uh, AOL right now, right? <laughs> like, uh, or buying AOL at uh, at like 1994 prices right now. Like, no, I mean, the technology has, if Bitcoin works, it's a replacement to previous versions of money. Um, so those previous technologies are going to be, you know, they're going to be less valuable, not more valuable. So I think that people that are holding gold, hoping it's going to be adopted as money are, uh, mistaken because I think Bitcoin works. Um, I think people holding silver are even more mistaken because if if we did adopt gold as money, I don't think we would adopt gold and silver because of the problems that we had in the past. And I don't know what the solution that we would come up with, but it would be some sort of like free banking. Uh, basically, in order to adopt gold as money, we would have to have come up with some way to have trustworthy banking. And I can't imagine, <laughs> I can't fathom what that would look like. But if we did, it would negate the need for silver. So um, yeah, I think those things take a really hard hit. They're not going to like go to zero because they do have, um, uh, they do have like industrial uses and gold is still pretty metal, right? It's still, you know, good for jewelry and that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, I'm, I might have a solid gold uh, front door at some point, you know, it'd be cool. So it won't go to zero, but it, it won't, uh, it won't go up and it'll probably go down really hard uh, if Bitcoin is adopted as money. But yeah, uh, JW, one thing about that is I've noticed a lot of people really, really overestimate how much the value, like a lot of people tend to think that the value of gold and silver is propped up by its industrial demand, which if you actually look at like the amount of gold and silver that's produced every year, that's actually used in industrial demand, it's pretty small. Um, and the other thing is too, a lot of people that own gold and silver right now, they've paid a premium for it. So if the store of value marketplace for gold and silver were to ever completely collapse and people were to expect the industrial use case to prop up that value of gold and silver, then you'd have all these people that paid a premium for gold trying to dump it onto the market and it would just, it would get really bad really fast. Yeah, the, the industrial uses are definite. I, I don't know what, I mean, it's, but on the other hand, when the price drops, I mean, hey, if you're holding gold, the good news is when everybody realizes it's never going to be adopted as global money again because Bitcoin works much better, 
um, the industrial uses will probably go up like crazy, right? Like uh, right now it'd be totally impractical to have doorknobs made out of gold, but you know, there's a lot of this stuff floating around. Maybe I will have doorknobs made out of gold. It won't be good for your investment, but it will, you know, the, the reason that people don't use it for industrial purposes a lot is that it's, it's expensive. It is a good conductor, but you can get away with conductors that aren't as good and it's more cost effective. Um, so yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll be around, it's useful, but the, I, I can't imagine what the price would be. I mean, it, it would not be anywhere near where it is right now. And you, you can figure that out, but just by saying, all right, people that actually hold it, right. The people that store it uh, and keep it and save it, right. People that save gold, what percentage of those people are saving it because they think it's going to, uh, because it's good for industrial purposes um, versus uh, they think that, you know, the, the U.S. dollar is going to collapse and we're going to return to the gold standard. Um, which incidentally, even if the U.S. dollar collapsed, this is our third central bank. Um, I think it's also our third currency in the U.S. Uh, there's been a lot of currencies that have come and gone, and uh, including the, uh, the, the, the U.S. government has come and gone a couple times, and we haven't returned to a gold standard. Because if you can have thugs with guns show up at a bank and say, you know, your money or your life, um, you're not going back to a gold standard. So it, it, it's not going to happen. Um, and uh, which is yeah. a really funny thing. I, I, I think it's going to go down a lot, but yeah, it's a good point on the industrial use. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, what what else you got, Nate? Okay, there's uh, one more um, by Ryan Rogus on the forum. Uh, this one kind of has a comment, too, that I think I have to read uh, to put the question into context. Um, Ryan was uh, interacting with the, the last question about the price of silver and gold, um, and he was talking about the boom and bust cycles that he can expect every about 10 years or so in the stock market. Then he says, oddly enough, Bitcoin sees three times the amount of trading hours as the U.S. stock market. The boom and bust market cycle seems to shift every two to three years, so I wonder if there is correlation. My personal feeling is that all trading is driven more by group psychology than any fundamentals. Bitcoin's never been better than it is today, yet the price keeps going lower. Then his question is, JW, any interesting insights into the psychology of fear? Yeah, I think... Um... I think in general, it's really helpful to know that the boom and bust cycle happens by country. Um, and then ask yourself, like, why is it happening by country? Because there's basically two theories. Like you see the stock market go up and then you see it go down hard. And it does tend to be, you know, for quite a while, it was every seven years. This has been uh, a longer than usual run, which probably means we have printed more money, which we have, which probably means that the, the downside will be bigger um, than it would be otherwise. But um, but if you if you look at it from that perspective, it doesn't really make sense that it would be like the the animal spirits version, right? Like there, there's the, why do we have the booms and the busts? The Austrian version is, well, you idiots printed a bunch of money. And as a result of printing money, you completely screwed up all of the market signals and people made bad investments and things were going crazy. And then you stopped printing more money because you didn't want to hyperinflate the currency. And then 
we got to realize what the hell we had done, which was build a bunch of houses people didn't want and a bunch of factories building products people don't want and all this other stuff. All the malinvestment was revealed. Um, so that's one theory. The other fear theory is literally as stupid as animal spirits or emotion or fear. Um, but that won't, that doesn't hold up because why is it that if Venezuela has a boom and a bust and happens to Venezuela, it doesn't happen to Colombia, right? Does, does fear stop at national borders? Uh, no. Like what, what is going on here? Um, so whatever your explanation to the boom and the bust cycle is, you have to be able to explain uh, a cause of it that is national border based. Um, and you also have to explain why it is that the money supply seems to correlate. So the increase in money supply seems to correlate so perfectly with the boom and the bust, right? So if it was a fear-based thing, you'd have to say, oh, well, you know, because the Fed uh, stopped printing money, it, it scared everybody. Well, yeah, but that just means the cause is not fear. That's an effect of the Fed stopping to print money, right? Um, so... Yeah, I mean the 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 boom in the bus cycle, big picture is uh, probably the most destructive part of government controlling money because it causes us all to, as we're trying to solve problems and we're trying to coordinate together to make the world a better place and keep people from starving and you know uh, put products together that people actually want uh, by printing a bunch of money, it causes us to build things that we think people want that they don't. And then when the money printing stops and people go, oh, I, so uh, th this is a, this is a simple version of what happens. You're a, you're a, a normal dude. You're working a job. Um, you're saving 50 bucks a month, right? And the fed starts printing money. And so the demand for your skills go up, you get a raise, um, your income goes up and you're like, well, I, I, I'm comfortable saving $50 a month, but now I'm making $150 uh, more per month, right? So I've got this hundred extra dollars and so I'm gonna spend it. And the Fed will say, like every, even the Keynesians will say, yes, that's exactly what happens. And that's a good thing. And that's what they mean by stimulating the economy, right? Because you have this extra hundred bucks that you didn't have before. And so you go out and you, uh, you buy a new car on credit, right? And that creates jobs for the Ford factory or whatever. And uh, this is all a good thing. The problem is, is that you're not, you didn't, uh, you didn't develop skills that make you more valuable. That's not why you got a raise. Um, you got a raise because the money is being printed and it's, it's more abundant and less valuable. But you didn't know that because your budget and your mindset and everything was a dollar is a dollar. So at a certain point, you're, you know, maybe, maybe they print more money. And so now you're up to 250 bucks a month uh, extra. And so you've got a car that you've leased and uh, you've bought a bunch of other stuff. Right. Um, but at a certain point, what happens is you start realizing, whoa, my electrical bill went up. Uh, every time I call a plumber, he's more expensive too. All of the things that you buy and need are actually more expensive. And so you look at your savings and you're like, whoa, I was saving 50 bucks a month, but even though now I'm making 250 bucks a month, somehow I'm actually, uh, my savings are getting depleted, right? Like I'm actually not saving money. I'm going into my savings every month. And that's the moment where, you know, average Joe goes, whoa, I got to pull back, right? I can't, I can't keep doing that. So he stops buying stuff. 
Um, and everybody does that because they were buying stuff that they couldn't really afford, but they didn't know that they couldn't afford it, right? So they were they were deceived into spending money that they didn't want to spend because the money supply was increased. Um, and that happens to like entrepreneurs uh, where they're like, I, you know, we're going to build another Ford factory because we're selling all of these Ford trucks. Apparently there's a lot of demand for Ford trucks that we didn't have before. Well, yeah, but it's, it's uh, artificial demand is what it's called. Um, it's a result of the Fed stimulating the economy. So you end up building a factory. And then when people realize that they've been tricked into a, a, a simple way to think of it is when the Fed says that they're stimulating the economy, they're tricking people into spending money that they wouldn't otherwise spend. And that deception can't be maintained forever. And when that deception is revealed as uh, money that we wouldn't have otherwise spent, we stop doing that. Um, and then we have a Ford factory that should have never been built because it's building cars that people didn't really want to buy. They were just tricked into buying them. Um, so it's hugely destructive and that's, if there's one reason I'm excited about Bitcoin, it's that, uh, that if we can get the government from quote, stimulating the economy, um, we will, uh, we will be able to, uh, solve the problems that we're all facing, uh, much faster and, uh, with a lot less malinvestment. So that's going to have a huge impact. Um, I think that's going to have a bigger impact than than anything else that we're likely to see in our lifetime. But uh, but to answer his question, no, I don't think that it has anything to do with the number of hours that people are trading. Um, I don't think that like human psychology has accelerated or anything like that because they can trade more hours a day. Uh, because I know that the cause is the printing of money, and that human psychology is just a side effect of that. That very like very obvious mechanism to cause people to overinvest and uh, and do stupid things that they wouldn't otherwise do and then figure it out. So, but good question though. I think uh, unless somebody else has a question, I think we'll wrap it. Uh, you guys got anything else that's, uh, that's pressing you want to talk about? All right. Cool. Oh, sorry, I, got, I got one last comment to throw in. Yeah, go yeah. for it. Well, you got, I missed most of the conversation on mining, but I thought it was interesting this morning, uh, Jimmy Song was talking about the bear markets that Bitcoin previously had. And he said near the, en near the end of it, they noticed that both mining facilities, mining manufacturers had actually gone out of business because of all the malinvestment. So when we start seeing more bankruptcies in this business and people shutting down, we'll probably find a bottom sometime around then. Yeah, I mean, it could be that that's an effect, though it's not a cause, right? Um, so if, uh, like, if the price goes up, then the miners won't go out of business um, that have invested in infrastructure. The problem, the problem with mining, is that you can't totally get away from speculating on the price of Bitcoin because um, because you get paid in Bitcoin, right? So if you if you were a miner six months ago. And you said, okay, you know, the price has been at 20,000. It's at, I don't know what it was, 6,000, 7,000, six months ago. Um, so I'm going to build this facility and I'm going to invest $100 million and I'm going to get a loan from the bank uh, with, you know, so that I can, I can build out this whole thing. And my cash flow is all going to work out. And I'm going to have, you know, a 10% profit margin. I feel good about that. Um, 
and you buy all the hardware, you buy the electrical infrastructure, you buy the buildings, you hire the employees, all that sort of stuff. And then the price of Bitcoin drops by 50%. You went from having a 10% profitable business to having a business that's losing 30%. Um, and uh, that's why the smart miners are, they're, they're probably, well, I mean, in hindsight, it's easy to say, right? That the smart miners were more conservative. They were the guys that were like, I'm, I'm only going to do this if I have super cheap electricity and I'm going to run my numbers at a 3000, you know, I'm going to make sure I'm still profitable about 3000 per Bitcoin or something. Um, which that's, you know, I guess right now I'd be pretty tempted if I could, if I could, uh, if I could be a profitable Bitcoin miner at a thousand bucks, which is also my, you know, my kind of buy price, right? Um, then I would, uh, I would probably be really tempted to, to spin up a Bitcoin mine. So the problem is, is that when the price drops more than they expected, uh, they're just no longer profitable. And if they, if they're lucky, they can turn off hardware. You you can't get rid of the capital expenditure, but you could lay off employees and maybe turn off your least less profitable hardware and decrease your electricity costs and maybe limp through. Um, but it's it's not going to be easy to do that. Uh, Boy. That's caused by the price going down, right? So uh, so it's important to keep cause and effect separated. It, the price will not go up after we see a bunch of Bitcoin miners go bankrupt. Uh, the price of Bitcoin will go up when people want to buy it again uh, at higher prices, right? When the demand goes up. Um, and what would cause the demand to go up is if people either realize that it's more valuable than they thought it is, which is, you know, basically where I sit, right? Like I'm I'm looking at this thing. It's the best technology. Uh, it's way better than gold or silver or government money or anything we've ever had. It's the best technology for money. If it's adopted, it's going to be you know above a million bucks a coin. So from my perspective, as as the rest of the world realizes that Bitcoin is a really good money, they're and they realize that if it's adopted as global money, it's going to be crazy uh, valuable, and that it will be right because there's at least from where I'm sitting, I don't know any way that that's going to be prevented at this point. Once more people have that set of understanding, they're going to buy it. And that's going to cause the price to go up. If that happens sooner, then the price is going to go up and, and the miners are not going to go out of business. If it happens much later, uh, or if, you know, the, 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 the counter argument to that, or the, you know, the bearish perspective uh, is that people have invested in cryptocurrencies, right? They've bought Monero, they've bought XRP, they've bought Ethereum, and they've bought Bitcoin. And they don't know the difference between any of these things. Uh, it's just sort of this general blob of technology garbage that they've bought, and that includes some Bitcoin. And now it's becoming really obvious that 98% of these things are scams or 99.9 or whatever, right? Like Ethereum is obviously a scam. Monero is obviously a scam. Uh, uh, XRP or you know Ripple or whatever is obviously a scam, and they still don't know the difference between that and Bitcoin, and so they get out, right? Like maybe that's what's happening here, and that would be a, a pretty good explanation for the price going down. Um, if that's if we have more of that, if we have more people that currently have Bitcoin uh, realizing that cryptocurrencies are a scam and just getting out of the whole bunch, then the price, I would expect the price to go down. Right. Um, so it, in my mind, it could be either, 
uh, in the short term. I think it's a really bad idea to bet on short-term price movements. Because, um, I mean, for example, uh, we could have a huge explosion in uh, using Bitcoin for e-commerce that happens from uh, from Lightning Network, right? Like this is the first time ever that Bitcoin has had the capability to scale to even support McDonald's, uh, let alone, you know, uh, global money. So we could see that because it's irreversible transactions and there's a ton of chargeback fraud, um, somebody like Amazon, you know, could realize that they could be a lot more profitable if they if they accept Bitcoin and maybe make that really smooth and easy, right? If that happens, the price of Bitcoin is going to go up a lot. Um, and it's so uh, what I'm saying is that there there are very good reasons that the price should go up or the price should go down, but miners going out of business isn't one of them. Um, I think it was probably said in tongue in cheek, if I, I'm guessing, um, uh, you know, sort of like um, uh, the price will go up once we have some really famous Bitcoin people just give up and say that they're they're you know rage quit or whatever. Um, but I don't think that. I'd like to think that they don't actually believe that that costs the price to move, but given how much superstition there is around price movements, maybe they do. I don't know. Uh, yes, somebody said in the chat, Andy Hoffman. Uh, we we have had a uh, semi-famous crypto person uh, rage quit, but I think that was just a, I think that was just a show anyway to uh, to sell his uh, his Bitcoin decimal uh, brodium scam. So, um, yeah. Cool. Good question. Uh, any any final thoughts from you guys? Yeah. Um, uh, can you guys hear me? Uh, you're a little quiet. Oh, let me boost that up. Yeah, I think it's uh it's important. Whoa, I think it's important for the bear market to shake out bad miners. Um, it, it's just that they can't. It's the same thing that happened in frac in with fracking, where we had really, really high oil prices in 2010 and 2011, which brought the frackers in, but they did it with very inefficient technology, and the Saudis dumped on them, basically created a bear market in oil, and they the technology had to improve. And now, the, to get a barrel of oil out of the ground in Oklahoma, with the modern technology is about forty dollars a barrel. When they started, it was like ninety, ninety-five dollars a barrel. And I think the bear market's good for miners in that respect, that it's going to shake out inefficiencies in the system. And your your core asset as a miner is the cost of your electricity. That's the oil on the ground. The miner that you use to convert that into Bitcoin, that's basically the pipeline if you were fracking. And so you have to make you have to look for the efficiency improvement. But at the at its core, if you or if you're making a lot of money. Uh, at 15 cents a kilowatt electricity and you're making a ton of money, I would be very worried because I would say this is going to end very fast because other people are going to come and they're going to they're going to drink my milkshake. So I, I it, as far as looking at 2017 and saying, well, I was making so much money. It's like, well, that should be a warning sign. Mining should probably be about as boring and profitable as farming is. And if you're making too much money, you should know it's going to end very soon. Yeah, I think it's it's hard to say what that line is, but I agree with what you're saying in general. Like, I think we could all agree if somebody is mining at 30 cents a kilowatt hour, uh, they're retarded because they should know that other people are mining at less and they're going to turn on more mining hardware. They're going to drive the difficulty up um, because if you're making money at 30 cents a kilowatt hour, they've got to be making a ton of money at seven cents or eight cents a kilowatt hour. Um but it is hard to know exactly where that line is because it's not 
I, I don't think it's super clear uh, what what everybody else is paying for electricity. Um, so, but it's it's certainly less than, or it's certainly uh, less than thirty cents a kilowatt hour. Uh, that's that's for sure. So I think the principle is sound, but it's it's tough to it's tough to figure out where to draw that line. Um, yeah. Yeah, but you know the other thing that you said that I think is really true is that we do we do need the guys that thought it was a good idea to mine Bitcoin at thirty cents a kilowatt hour. We need them to go broke because they are um, they're fools and they have a bunch of economic resources at their disposal, and we need those economic resources to end up out of their hands and into the hands of smarter people. So the sooner that anybody mining at 30 cents a kilowatt hour and making big investments go bankrupt, the better off the rest of us are for sure. Well, good, good points. Cool. Any, uh, any final thoughts, Ryan, or uh, heavily armed? Well, that, the, uh, I think Jimmy Song's point wasn't so much that um, the price will go up because miners go out more that it's the, it's a symptom of the malinvestment, which I think it also applies to for a lot of the altcoins. Like we still have, uh, what, we're at 55% Bitcoin dominance. And historically, you know, if that's way too much money in bad projects. And it seems whenever Bitcoin tries to go up, more money moves back into these bad projects. So I think when we get kind of get past that part of it, um, you know, we'll start going up again. Yeah, I think that's true. I am really super skeptical of market cap and Bitcoin dominance because it's based on market cap because those those guys have they have a marketing budget and they also have a budget to to pump the price up and uh, you know there's all kinds of goofy stuff like wash trading and things like that that are that are happening to make it look like things are more valuable. Like I don't know what the market cap of Tezos is right now, but I know that if you have any Tezos, you can't sell it. So. Yeah, I'm sure that number is part of the Bitcoin dominance index, just just as a random example. Um, but yeah, you know, I I totally agree that there is still a lot of dumb money in the space. Uh, I'm I'm kind of wondering when uh, when Tim Draper is just going to go. I mean, think, speaking of Tezos, like I'd like to see him just sell all of his Bitcoin and just go all in on Tezos or something, because uh, guys with billions of dollars that don't know that tezos is a really bad idea from day one and that encourage people to buy it like those guys are like bitcoin miners mining at 75 cents a kilowatt hour like we just we got to see that dumb money go broke um and i hate to say it for somebody that has made some really good investments in the past like like tim draper but uh, but that's just like it's just too dumb uh so either he's gotta he's gotta hire smarter people and get educated or he's gotta get go broke um and uh, if if we have to have a little bit of a bear market to clean that stuff up, uh, but but really I think big picture, uh, even though that's that's going to happen to those guys, I think the price of Bitcoin is down just because um, people got overexcited about what its capabilities were like tomorrow, and they they thought that it was going to be adopted like next week, um, and I'm to some degree I, I was expecting it like a more rapid pace, right? Like part of the reason that I bought in near the all time high is I was looking at it and I was like, wow, it actually makes sense. Uh, should I wait? No, because there's, there's some chance that this run up is indicative of a bunch of, 
you know, big money investors realizing that this is going to become global money and I'm not going to uh, miss out on that. As it, as it turns out, uh, that's not what was happening. Uh, I think a lot of people were expecting it to do things because they were expecting cryptocurrency in general to like solve every problem, right? Like people that were investing in quote cryptocurrencies, they were investing in the stupidest things in the world. Um, and, uh, and I think they were, they're, they're waking up to that now that it's not going to like, we're not going to have like dog food on a blockchain next week or whatever stupid thing that they thought was going to happen. Um, cool. All right. Well, I think, I think we should wrap it. This was fun though. Um, I appreciate you guys, uh, uh, you know, taking the course and going through all the material and having uh, good, interesting questions and good stuff to talk about. So, uh, um, let's see. Yeah, we'll do this again in a couple of weeks. Um, if anybody's interested in taking the course, uh, you can go out to jwweatherman.com forward slash class. Uh, like I said, I think we've had almost somewhere between 50 and 60 people go through it. Uh, everybody has been really happy with the results and felt like it was a good, a good use of time and money. Um, and, uh, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll have a lot more people go through it so that I'll have fewer conversations like the one that I just had before this, uh, trying to explain what money is, uh, you know, in sound bites because it's really hard to do that. So, um, do that or read Human Action. That's that's my uh, that's my charge to you. Either take my class or read Human Action. Um, maybe ease into Human Action with uh, um, Henry Hazlitt's uh, Economics in One Lesson. Um, but if you're at all thinking about investing in this space, don't be the Bitcoin miner that is getting 85 cents a kilowatt and thinks he's going to do really, really well because he doesn't know what the hell is going on. Be the guy that if you're going to invest in the future of global money, be the guy that takes the time to understand what money is, what it means to have global money, um, and the pros and cons uh, of all of the competing technologies before you put money into the space. And uh, that means that you need to invest some time into reading a couple books because you're uh, hopefully not here to gamble. You're, you're here to know what the heck you're doing and then make some smart decisions. So if the, to, to the degree that the class helps you, great. Uh, you can find it at jwweatherman.com forward slash class. But Human Action, and I believe Henry Hazlitt's book is also available for free. Um, I know human action is available for free. And in fact, you don't even have to read. You can just uh, open your favorite podcast catcher and search for human action because there's a podcast of uh, the lectures. Um, I know it's on iTunes and Stitcher. I haven't looked anywhere else. Um, but listen to that from start to finish. And uh, if if you have to listen to a few sections a couple times, do it. It'll be a great use of your time. So thanks for all you guys showing up. And uh, thanks to the Munchkin uh, for making this uh, a very cute, uh, <laughs> very cute baby. That's awesome, man. <laughs> um, and uh, and thanks thanks for you guys for being here. Um, if you guys are interested, we'll throw the uh, we'll throw the Twitter handles of everybody in the show notes page, um, so you can follow these guys because uh, obviously they're they're smart guys that have smart questions and uh, good interesting things to say, which is hard to find. So thank you guys for doing it, and we will catch you in a couple weeks. <laughs>